Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. Check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Season four. I am Tom Marshall, and I'll be your tour guide, your fish tour guide, as we travel back in time to Destination 1.0. This season, we'll be revisiting several epic shows from the 90s on Fish's Road to Fall 1997 and the tour that changed everything. We'll tell you which side of the bus to look out when we drive through the season where Fish destroyed America. We're proud to call attention to some of the most amazing shows ever in the 90s from this most amazing band ever. My co-host for today is fellow Undermine executive producer, artist manager, and New York Times best-selling author, Benji Eisen. Hi, Benji. Hello, Tom. I, I don't know why it says like that. <laughs> um, before we get to our guest of honor, I, I should say guests, but uh, more on that in a minute. Um, I should first mention our show of honor and that show of the hour anyway is August 13th, 1993 at the Murat theater in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's a venue that has long been mysterious to me and uh, including how to pronounce its name. I think, uh, it has a really unique name. Fish played two really unique shows here, this one. And then again, the, in the following year in 1994 and on this particular night, August 13th, 1993. Fish has a jam that is so distinctive that 29 years later, we still know it by the nickname, the Murat Jim. So, you know, the entire show is unique and the entire show is worthy of, you know, Fish scholarship. And, and thus, because of that, we have to talk to a certain Fish elder statesman just to help us unpack it. Um, by the way, if this kind of talk excites you, enthralls you, entertains you, if you like listening to Undermine for any reason at all, then please consider subscribing to Osiris Premium on Apple, where you'll get ad-free podcasts, bonus episodes, 
and of course, more. Always more. Okay, Tom, I think we are probably ready to bring on today's special guests. And there's two of them this time. They're multiplying. <laughs> They're multiplying like uh, Fish's audience uh, during this time <laughs> period. Um, but yes, we are thrilled to welcome Charlie Dirksen and Brian Feller to Undermine. And I'm going to bring them out of the waiting room in a moment. But uh, let's talk first about Charlie. Back in the 1.0 era of Fish Online, Charlie's presence was overwhelming. His detailed and colorful reviews in some of those early fish chat rooms, I was in the AOL one, the fishbowl or whatever it was called, got a lot of people, including me, to seek out shows which got his stamp of approval. Um, and I loved his reviews. Um, so maybe I shouldn't say his presence was overwhelming, but it, it was at least whelming. Plus, Benji, you and I have been friends with Charlie for a long time. Yeah, since like uh, since 1.0. Yep, for sure, which is right what we're talking about today. And we're honored uh, with another guest, Brian Feller, who was at this particular show, um, the Murat show that we're talking about. And he's been involved with Mockingbird and Fish.net and is also a longtime fan. And uh, by the way, Benji, the, all this chat room stuff we're talking about was before all these meme accounts and message boards, back when you curated the Fish uh, Digest from rec.music.fish. Well, you know, I could always count on uh, any post by Charlie would always automatically make it into the digest because controversial or not, it was always legitimate content. You know, it was mostly, to be honest, it was like, you know, bitching about how trading and hit the note in Yem or <laughs> counting, counting just how many flubs were present in any given famous Mockingbird. That happened. But uh, <laughs> as much as he had a reputation for being, you know, the scenes curmudgeon, Charlie has actually done so much more for the scene than most people. And also, you know, so much more for our scene than most people realize. Oh, totally. I mean, uh, he's a central figure in the Mockingbird Foundation even to today and continues to volunteer his time. Um, he gives a lot to the fish community and uh, through the foundation's outreach, the music community at large. And even as he calls out the 3.0 kids for not knowing their Bowie from their maze, uh, I'm gonna bring them in from the waiting room, if I can do this. Are you all here? Yes, look, it worked. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So, um, hi, Charlie, and hi, Brian. How are you guys doing? Good. Thank you for having us. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about such an iconic show here. Perfect. So um, that who, in case you guys don't know, and if you see the names, uh, the names up there will help. Okay, that was Brian who spoke, and Charlie is in orange. Um, so this show is considered an all-time classic, and it was probably more prevalent in ca cassette collections during 1.0 than in people's playlists today. But at the time, it was revered. Can you guys tell us what you remember about this venue and the scene? Sure, yeah. Um you know, this was kind of deep in the middle of a week of shows that uh, I started in the at the zoo in Cincy uh, on 8-6. So this is kind of, I guess, towards the end because, yeah, got off tour right after this on the 14th uh, in Tinley Park. But really an amazing venue, like just a gorgeous uh, old theater. Um, I remember, you know, the staff being really tough, though. Like it was it was hardcore. There was nothing allowed at all inside the venue. And uh, so that was that was a challenge, I'm sure, for some folks, but beautiful place. Um, yeah, I went both years. They went they played in 93 and 94. I uh, saw both of those. Uh, so really, really, you know, it's it's an incredible memory. Uh, it was, you know, it was so much fun. And 
uh, as we all know, they you know they they touched off a new a new they they uh, unlocked a new level as it were uh, in that gin jam. So that was that was fun to witness. Small uh, small theater. I, I don't know the size. I think, of this yeah, one. around two thousand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And was it sold out? Was the crowd milling around yeah, outside? Definitely. Yeah. It was not a ton of crowd, but I think it was sold out. Yeah. Cool. And it was funny. Yeah. You know, like my ticket was, cause I, I was on the guest list. My ticket was like literally a raffle ticket. Like that was the, the ticket that the box office handed me to walk in the door. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why, but it's one of, you know, I collect ticket stubs and I've collected a lot of them over the years. And that's one I dearly am bummed that I don't have because literally the guest list ticket was, of the most generic raffle ticket half that you could possibly have, you know, but yeah, it was, right. it was a fun little scene. You know, it was a small scene back then with people doing all the tour and, and, uh, it was, yeah, I think it was sold out. How do you pronounce the, the venue? The Murat, the Murat? I kind of, I say it Murat. Yeah. Murat. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. I've been mispronouncing, mispronouncing it for 29 years. I, think. <laughs> I don't know if I'm correct. I have no idea if I'm right. Um, you know, let's, uh, let's zoom out for a second, Brian, and let's get this, you know, Mockingbird's eye view of, of the night for context. Uh, you said, you know, you had done the whole week since the zoo. Also a great show, by the way. that's the thing is that like in summer 93 specifically august you know we talk about it as being such a historic huge month for fish um i think you know that backing that up by the way if you go to the live fish app i think that august 93 has a disproportionate number of, of official archival releases compared to any of the other years uh in in that in the era we're talking about in the 90s you know sure. 1.0 um so can you give us context for you know where kind of fish was as a band at this time i mean they were selling out you know but a 2000 person venue in the in the in the midwest uh they were in the middle of this super hot tour where they're doing things for the first time groundbreaking as we get to later on in this show with the gin and things like that where where were you as as a fish fan during this era and where was the band uh you know on the bird's eye view sure uh, it was, you know, I think the band was just beginning to enter the space. I think you go back to the beginning of the month in, in Florida, you see it right away from the beginning of the month. Like they just entered into this kind of can stop on a dime, can turn on a dime. The music's playing itself a lot. They're just kind of, it, it's, it's effortless, but they're pushing hard at the same time. And they're really starting to kind of get into that like superpower mode. Like we're, they can do no wrong on stage. And, uh, you know, the, the venues, at least in that week of the Midwest between Cincy and, and Tinley Park, like it varied so much. Like we had theaters like the Marat, we had Darien Lake, which was, you know, a bigger venue for them at the time. The zoo was kind of small. So it kind of was alternating between these. And then Tinley Park was so huge. Like, you know, we barely filled that venue because uh, it, was, it was a huge one. Uh, so it was an interesting mix of venues. Um, and I just think they, they were really just, they hit this, this, thing they just locked into this this route that that uh that 
brought them to these new places and, and really showed you, you hear, you listen to the tapes, you hear a lot of relaxed, a lot of looseness, like the Marat is you hear, you know, there's lots of vocalizations going on and tons of songs where they're just kind of making noises and you can just feel how loose they are uh, playing through some of these gigs. And uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And we were, you know, I, was, I did the tour with Kevin Shapiro uh, we we did that whole tour together in our friend with our friend Emily and her parents uh, Toyota sedan and her gas card and uh, you know had some really great adventures and we're hanging out with the guys every show and you know hanging out backstage and on the bus and really kind of deep into the into the thing that they had going watching Simpsons episodes that you know that they that on the VHS tapes and the, on the bus and uh, stuff like that and so it, the energy was just great they were on top of the world I think musically you know they were. You know, a year into using a real tour bus, uh, you know, that was like late 92. I think they started actually getting on a tour bus, uh, the traditional big tour bus. So I think they were kind of really leaning into to, to the growth and to, to where both they were musically going and professionally going and, and really just enjoying every every single night and just crushing every single night. Shout out to um, Phil Muller, uh, also known as yeah, Big, Big, Phil. Big Phil, because he uh, uh, provided the band with what was gold at the time, a video of all the Simpsons episodes, I think, that had happened up to then with all commercials edited out. There was no such thing as DVDs or anything yet. So that was gold. And Fish played the hell out of that out of that VHS. I remember it very well. Yeah. In that same line of questioning, uh, I'd like to hear from Charlie. Can you place this um, True. show? in its time and place for us was this night typical from other nights i think you have to start in a way with fish's opening for santana in in summer 92 um (laughs) because that was the first time you know that yeah that was the first time obviously playing the summer sheds um including great woods and then when they started playing the sheds themselves as fish in summer 93 by that point you know their improvisation had taken on um just a whole different spectrum I, I guess is one way to put it from where it had been in 1990 and 1991 and and to some extent in the 80s where they were also experimenting and whipping posts and uh scarlet fires and so on and, and the occasional david bowie like in um like in 89 but they with when murat came around um on august 13th in 93 although fish had already performed i would say like I don't know, like at least at least a couple dozen. It was definitely no more than 50, I don't think. Um, improvisations that I would call like so-called type two, where the jam leaves its sort of customary structure, um, particularly in April 93, right? Um, there's some really amazing music in April 93 from Fish. Um, at the same time, like the, the August 93, um, in a way took it to a different level. Cause as Brian was saying, it was almost as if every single night they were doing something truly compelling. And, um, Brian also mentioned, um, that first August show uh, from Tampa. And that's just a, that's just got some really amazing stuff, including frankly, um, an incredible version of bathtub gin, which, uh, arguably contains, um, wonderful, spectacular improv as well.
first heard the mirror, I actually went back and looked this up. When I first heard um, Murat, it was on a tape. Um, I got the second set before I got the first set, which wasn't circulating as well, in February 1994. Uh-huh. And um, what's fascinating to me is that because at that time I only had about 40 fish tapes. Um, I didn't have the context at all for like whether or not fish was playing, you know, bathtub gin and stash and Bowie uh, like 20 minutes every night. Right. I knew that you enjoy myself was typically around 15, 20 minutes. But other than that, I didn't know that they were even in that ballpark improvisationally. And, And so I didn't know if they were doing that all the time. And so when I first heard Murat's second set in um, February 93, what apparently struck me the most was Life Boy. It was the first time I'd ever heard Life Boy, and it blew me away, and I actually cried. that life boy and i'm just getting chills thinking about it is that it comes after a spectacular mic song and again you know not hydrogen mic song uh you know it, it was life what came out of my song and it's just um it's just funny how everything is context right everything is your perspective is 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 so context-based because you know um as amazing as the gin and and mics were in that set um, for me to get that crazy over uh, Life Boy in hindsight is just hilarious because now, of course, and eventually I learned, I guess, in 94 at some point that Jin had been performed spectacularly well um, in early August 93 um, as well. And so to some extent, you know, it was confirmed that, oh, Fish has been performing, you know, spectacular improvisations throughout 1993. It wasn't, you know, the, the Murat Jin wasn't just sort of a one-off thing, but, um, but obviously as we sort of go through fish history, um, Murat still to this, this is why we're talking about it. Right. I mean, Murat to this day is still um, one of fish's most, you know, inspired pre 94 um, improvisations and in no small part because it was inspiring to people. whose first fish show was uh, August 13, 1993. And um, I got a lot of fish tapes from him uh, in the early 90s because he's a Doug Buzak. He's a, he, he's a Grateful Dead or was a Grateful Dead tape trader. And um, so I'd actually gotten Arrowhead Ranch from him. I th- excuse me. <laughs> I, I got an Arrowhead Ranch from him. Don't edit that out. Um, and in uh, some other... And some other um, early tapes like Amy's Farm. I can't remember if I got Amy's Farm for him. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, in context, obviously, you know, to this day, um, 
Murad is, is, is one of Fish's strongest shows start to finish. And, um, but of course, August 93 is still, you know, a spectacular month of fish. And when a lot of people talk about their favorite months of fish, August 93 is always in the conversation, you know, along with December 95 and in various months in 1994, of course. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, it, it is one of those months where, where you can't go wrong, but August 13th is definitely a high point in the high month. You know, uh, Charlie, here's something that we're not used to in our many conversations about fish, but something that our audience will be familiar with. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. Benji, that, that break seemed to come earlier in the show. They get earlier and earlier. Maybe eventually they'll get before the show even starts so we don't have to do them. <laughs> uh, by a week before, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we're back with Brian Feller and Charlie Dirksen. And, of course, with my favorite co-host, Benji Eisen. Um, let's do something unusual next. Let's talk about the music. Brian. I was wondering if you could walk us through the highlights from this show very briefly, uh, because there's we've talked about the, we've talked about the Marat Jin, but are there like another couple, one or two or three peaks that stand out? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to talk about the Bowie. The Bowie's got a four minute intro, and then geez, another like twelve or thirteen minute jam after all the composed parts, and it's just spectacular. I think overall the show, as the soundboard show, Mike is really thick in the soundboard mix, which was kind of rare at the time for him to be that forward, and he really leads the charge on a lot of these. So that Bowie was fantastic. the gin we probably don't even need to talk about it um the mics was really great you know there's a lot of dissonance in the show i think the show is not necessarily like a uh, a show i'd hand somebody as a first fish tape because there's so much dissonance in some of these jams that it's not as melodic as it might be so uh that might that mics is a very strong you know indicator of, of that thing um yeah, and I think, you know, everything is really strong. I mean, lengthwise, only three times opened the first set. Only time it went lengthwise, Llama, and then that Llama just crushed. Also, I think that's worth noting is that that Llama is just sick. Amazing opener, yep. You know, Charlie, I used to love uh, reading when I was doing the, the, the digest and just reading Red Means of Trish. One of the things uh, that made you so endearing, and it was, uh, you know, kind of, it was a geeky and wonderful, like, uh, Oh, I almost want to say abstract because how can you rate fish? Like it's just such a ludicrous concept. And yet we did and, and, and took it, you know, seriously as much as you can, you know, like there's two layers to it. Like we, we were being serious, but at the same time, I think we realized the ridiculousness of rating something so subjective. That said, I want to know, I want the Charlie Dirtson scale for, for the Murat for August 13th. Uh, 1993. How 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 does it rate on the Charlie Dirksen scale? You mean as a show? Because I never did rate shows. Just you just, never just, no, no never. You just you you rated never tweezers. Rated shows. Yeah, I rated yeah. tweezers and mice grooves and you enjoy yeah. myself. And then I 
that I not that I did an N slash R rating for the Bozeman tweezer and, and, and so, uh, yeah but, so but we're, no, we're I, asking you to do something that's never been done before then yeah but and I'm not going to do it because that's not what I do and but but as you know Benji like the reason we're even talking about this show is because it's one of the you know most sort of endearing shows as you, you use the word endearing it's one of the most memorable amazing shows in fish history it still is um if you want to talk about uh, you know, major shows from prior to 94. Um, it's right there with, um, you know, you've already covered November 4th, 1990, if I recall. And there's obviously a bunch of Halloween shows that are worth mentioning and Ian's, Ian McLean's farm shows and so on. But that's just it. It's, it's, it's in that bunch. It's in like the top, you know, 50 fish shows of 1.0, I would say. Yeah. Well, that's a, a good point because, you know, for me, I remember it in real time. I remember, you know, I had the August 13th, 93 tape by the spring of 94 but then, so they returned to this venue and I remember there was already that mystique to it and they actually, you know, rose to the occasion by doing another really unique show that stood out for a number of reasons. I mean, simplifying it, I guess you could say the theme from that night, we're talking by the way about June 24th, 1994. Um, I think to simplify it, fish kind of seemed to be taking advantage of that room's acoustics. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a theater room, right? It's a slash ballroom. And so fish really experimented with uh, the dynamics and the volume. Do you guys know that show? Yeah, I was there. Brian, you were there. Can you talk about it at all? Yeah, I, it was, you know, it was great to return to the venue. You know, I mean, we knew what happened as soon as it happened in 93. Like everybody was like, you know, there was jaws on the floor that there were people crying during life boy. Uh, and so being able to return to that venue the net the following year was just a, an amazing gift. And, uh, it's just, you know, you can hear the evolution in the jamming from 93 to 94. I think we got a demand, a rare demand at that one. If, if I'm remembering right, I don't have the silver stuff, but, um, it was, you know, that it was, it was, not it didn't hit the peaks, but it was also a pretty phenomenal show. I, I do remember really enjoying being there. I will say about Life Boy, since you guys have mentioned crying to it twice, that Trey and I cried when uh, we came up on the phone. We wrote it on the phone together uh, with that part, um, stranded on a slender string, a minute seems to last a lifetime. It was like this part, it was like the... Um, the, the very hard to the unobtainable uh, B section that we couldn't come up with. And then Trey was just messing around. And the second he hit on it, we both were like, Oh my God. And, Cause we had the, we had the words, but he couldn't quite figure out how to, how to, how to make it work. And when it did, it was like, it was magic. And, and yeah, it was like tears of joy more than, more than like emotional tears, which, you know, that those, those came subsequently, but, uh, yeah, there was, I, I think there's a lot of tears shed over, <laughs> over, life, <laughs> over life boy, but, uh, Benji brings up a good point about, um, you know, you guys have d done so much studying of fish. Um, you're probably the best qualified to answer. Um, are, are there other venues that fish play where they kind of cater their sound and they're playing to the specifics of the room? How about, how about Charlie, if you can think of any. Well, I mean, yeah, the answer is absolutely. But I mean, it, 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 at this, like I met Madison Square Garden is the first one that comes to mind. Um, I mean, I mean, that's just, if anyone's mastered the acoustics of that venue, it's fish at. Um, but, uh, and obviously Dick's, which is not a music venue, venue but they've made it sound good um, yeah. over the years and they play obviously expertly well. But back in the day, I mean, you know, the Paradise, um, the, the Front, 
there were certain venues I think that they played enough where they got, you know, they sort of got the sound down um, and obviously Nectar's, but, uh, and, and maybe Hunt's as well. But, you know, in the nineties, um, I'd have to think about it. Um, I, 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 it, there's, there's like this Spokane Opera House uh, in 95 that was just such, the acoustics of that venue were so transcendent um, to this day I just it, it's one of the most um, incredible musical experiences I've had just because the venue sounded so good wow. and Trey actually played unamplified um, during the hood with his guitar and you could hear it you could hear him playing unamplified it was incredible it was just mind blowing the tapes don't do it justice to june 24 94 don't miss the antelope that's the i was like why why is that show why is that show in my head at all and it's because of the antelope i had to check it out but yeah that don't miss that antelope. but um <laughs> but but yeah there's a lot of venues obviously that fish is i think mastered but it just thank you yeah the Gorge, too, to me, stands out as one of those venues. They they play different there. But, uh, you know, I think maybe because they play different, at, you know, the this Murad show in 93 and again in 94. Uh, but the 93 one, Charlie, I think you almost kind of hit this on the nail, uh, hit this on the head earlier. And that's that, you know, it it almost works as a companion show. Like if you were to, it doesn't give the full picture of fish because it is so unique that if you were only here this show, you wouldn't really get the picture of what fish was. You would get a picture of fish on an extraordinary night, but not necessarily representative of, you know, of them as a whole band. So, you know, like it pairs well with something like, you know, the two twenty three ninety three Roxy show that, that Tom and I just discussed, you know, um, and undermine uh, just two episodes back. But uh, if you were to give the show to a noob, what might you bundle it with to give them more of a complete picture of fish during this specific era? What would I bundle eight thirteen ninety three Murat with specifically? Yeah, oh, so, so another one show. Well, I mean, I mean the June twenty fourth ninety four Murat show. <laughs> that would give an interesting contrast. But I mean, I don't know. Twelve thirty ninety three is probably the is the first one that immediately comes into my head. Um, and I know that I think you're planning to discuss that at some point, aren't you? Because next episode, uh, I think. 
Oh, okay. yeah, that's, that's, that's a good segue, isn't it? But I, and that was by accident. But yeah, it would probably be twelve thirty ninety three. I mean, uh, I think for a lot of um, people getting tapes of fish, you know how they first came to fish in the mid nineties, um, getting the eight thirteen ninety three second set with twelve thirty ninety three in a in a batch of tapes. Um, that was probably a very common thing because I I can't even quantify how many times I made tapes of eight thirteen ninety three and twelve thirty ninety three for people because um because they're two of fish's you know most spectacular one point shows and and you know th- those tapes were circulating everywhere in ninety four everywhere so I, I, I think I got mine from you for eight thirteen ninety three <laughs> <laughs> okay well you, I hope you got the soundboard because it took me some time to get the soundboard. I had a, I had a listenable audience uh, of the second set in February 94. That was my first copy. So yeah, I, I remember that not being very good for audience taping at that venue. If I remember right, from hearing the odds. These are extreme taper pros, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as you can tell, these guys had every show, listen to them over and over again. And um, uh, maybe I'll, as such, I'll put the last question to, to Brian, and it would be one that I would feel would be unfair maybe to someone else, but I'm sure you can answer this one. Um, considering this Murat Jin is so famous, can you come up, and it can be any era of fish, can you come up with another Jin that compares in your mind? Oof. Um, oh boy, that's hard. <laughs> I, you know, I'd, pro- I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to think about that one for a while. You know, I, there's, I'll open, I, I I'll open it yeah, to the room. I'll open it to the room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 What's the yeah. one? What'd you say, Charlie? July 31. The, uh, the Great White. 1998. Oh, the, the Wenchin. Yeah. No, 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 the Wenchin. Oh, no. River, I was yeah. thinking Riverbend, not July 31. Uh, you you uh, think uh, Riverbend, but also the Wenchin has a Facebook group called The Went, the, the Wenchin Changed My Life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, accurate. it's a support it group. It's a support it, group. It changed many lives. <laughs> Riverman did too. Yeah. yeah. You guys are uh, incredible pleasure to talk to, and we're going to have both of you back this season. We have 46 total shows to, to dig into, and so most likely by the time we get to 1997, we're doing all 25, uh, we're going to need your guys' expertise again, but it's been a pleasure, um, and you too, Benji, of course. Uh, in fact, we'll talk more fish with you, um, Benji, in a couple days when you change seats like we were talking about uh, from co-host to special guest uh and we hope that people don't get confused uh most importantly me uh but anyway to all our (laughs) listeners out there um or viewers if you're seeing this on youtube for you one percenters uh thanks for joining us and please remember to review and subscribe wherever you listen or watch and by the way your homework assignment is to listen right now to that show that benji let slip that it's the new year's run from 1993 And uh, that's where we're going to meet next time virtually right back here. But until then, blaze on. And thank you guys very much for joining us. Thank Thank you. Thank you guys for joining us. That was awesome. Osiris. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. 
From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born, to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song. The Helping Friendly Podcast explores the music and fan experience of Fish through interviews and deep dives on shows and tours. For more than 10 years, we've created insightful and fun discussions about our favorite band, and with the help of our guests and thematic series, we're still discovering new angles of appreciation for Fish. And when the band is on tour, we provide a review of every show the following day. As one of our listeners said, any Fish fans that enjoy meandering conversations and incredible insight on new and old Fish shows, this is for you. Highly recommend. It's not just about the band and the shows, it's about the journey getting there. Throughout 2024, we're going to be running down the top 25 fish tours of all time, and that'll be interspersed with show reviews and regular episodes. Join us and check out the Helping Friendly Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.